Hello and a warm welcome back to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. We are well into 2023 now. I hope it is going really well for you and you have started the new year off feeling healthy and happy. And this episode is perfect for a healthy, happy new year because we are speaking to Cassandra Reinhardt, who is also known as Yoga with Cassandra. And she has an online community of over two million, particularly on her YouTube. She's created this lovely space in the yoga community and she does things like 10 minute morning classes and yoga's really helped Cassandra manage her own stress and increase her flexibility and strength as well as give her so many other benefits. And she loves sharing this with other people. She's on a mission to help people of all ages feel great with yoga. And as well as her community of over 2 million, her channel have been featured on CBC, Bustle, Pop Sugar, Well and Good, L Australia. And she has a great book out called The Year of Yoga. So I know you're going to love this episode where we really delve into that concept of a year of yoga. Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to tell you about the Face Yoga Workshop Bundle. Now, you may have already grabbed this amazing bundle because it is only $49.99. So that's British pounds, $49.99, which is an amazing price because it has four workshops in there. So they're two-hour workshops. And originally, these workshops, when they went live, were £55 per workshop. And the workshops in there are gorgeous. So not only are you getting the ultimate techniques to lift your face, you are also delving into a whole plethora of amazing wellness techniques. So I'm teaching you Reiki in there. I'm teaching you meditations, relaxation. There's crystal bowl healing in there. There's chakra work in there. It is so gorgeous. And you will emerge from each of these two-hour workshops feeling absolutely peaceful, yet beautifully energized. And your skin will look amazing and glowing. I got a lovely message from a lady last week that said, my son has just seen me and said, mom, what have you done to your face? And she said that she looked quite alarmed and thought, oh my goodness, what is he saying? And apparently he said, you look so glowing and so much younger. And she said that she just finished one of those two-hour workshops. And I thought that's gorgeous. And she actually said she was a bit worried about the two hours, like, oh my goodness, am I going to be exercising my face for two hours? Obviously, that isn't what we do. And she was pleasantly surprised because the face yoga is sort of throughout the workshops. But between that are so many wellness techniques. So if you want to do something for you in the new year, that is a bundle that you've got for life. You can turn these workshops on, on your phone, on your laptop, on your iPad, whatever you use, whenever you want to use them. And really give yourself some self-care time. I know that that is a big priority of mine. It always is, but it definitely is throughout this year. And I think my word for 2023, I always try and think of a word at the beginning of each year, is joy. Now, I can't remember what my word beginning of last year was, but I definitely ended the year with the word cycles or patterns because I was so aware in 2022 of cycles and patterns in my life, within my body, within my relationships, But this year, I want to not only honour those cycles, but I want to find joy 
within those cycles. I want to find joy within everything I do because yes, I look after my self-care. Yes, I'm good at juggling lots of different things. Yes, I am a happy, healthy person most of the time. Sometimes those cycles mean that I'm not. Many of you know that I have talked about my journey with hormones, etc. But I know that I could weave more joy into my life. So that is a massive goal of mine in 2023. And believe it or not, apart from that, I haven't written down my 2023 goals yet. Usually I've done it by now. But I've just noticed that this week, I've actually been in that PMS period this week. It's not been the right time for me. So I feel like sometime over the coming days or maybe coming weeks, I'm going to sit down and get really clear on my goals because it's so important for us to know where we want to get to in order to put those manifestations in place. Okay, so let's get into this week's episode. I know you're going to absolutely love it and I hope you emerge from this just feeling so inspired, so energized, so relaxed and so motivated to go forward and do lots of yoga and of course your face yoga in 2023. Cassandra, a very warm welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm very honored to have you here because you are such a renowned yogi. I know you have a community of over 2 million on your YouTube alone. You're an author. You do so many amazing things within the wellness and yoga space. And your brand new affirmation cards have just launched as well. So I feel like we have so much to talk about today. Yes, thank you so much. It's definitely an exciting start of the year for me. Really, really exciting. And I'd love to start by just taking it back to the beginning because I've been reading up a lot about what you do and your journey. And I know that you said that yoga really has helped you personally to manage stress and anxiety, but also helped you physically as well. I'd love you to just talk a little bit about what yoga means to you personally and where it all started. Yeah, for sure. It started when I was about 18 years old and I really didn't know much about yoga and its greater context, its historical context or the depth of the spiritual practice. I just kind of stumbled into a yoga class to give it a try, not really knowing what I was getting myself into. And it wasn't necessarily love at first sight. I had to take quite a few classes and find the right teacher and the right style before I really, something clicked and I understood what was possible here. Um, But I was coming from the world of dance. So really I was just, I was a very anxious um, teenager. I'm still quite a bit of an anxious adult, (laughs) although now I have a lot more tools to um, help me cope and navigate with that yoga being the primary one. Um, but it was, it was a very difficult time. Like I did suffer a lot from stress and anxiety and that led to a lot of insomnia as well. Something I've struggled with since I was a very pretty young child and yoga was this really beautiful invitation to not focus so much about how I looked or how I was performing in the poses, especially coming from the world of dance. Of course, it's a performance. You're trying to achieve some kind of perfection. That's part of the beauty of the art and the sport of it. But I was 
just in a place in my life where I needed permission to not think about that so much. And I was also practically looking for a way to treat my body a little bit better with kindness. Dance was harsh on my hips, on my knees and on my back. And, you know, I was so young, I was way too young to be having those kinds of issues. So I ended up kind of leaving the world of dance um, and really diving deep into yoga. I found that the philosophy of yoga was phenomenal to help me get a greater perspective and put things into perspective, which was very useful in terms of managing stress, anxiety. And then the physical practice was just a great way for me to heal my body in a lot of ways and to also learn to use it in new and different ways. So I haven't looked back and I'm 32 now and still still going and somehow I've made this my job. <laughs> I love that. And you do your job so well. And I resonate with so much of what you say in terms of how it's helped you. And how do you feel like it's helped you more on the physical side? I know you touched on that, but in terms of sort of strength and flexibility, do you find that that increases as you do your yoga regularly or do you find that that came quite quickly at the beginning and then you sort of maintain that? Well, it's changed a lot. So I remember when I first started taking like vinyasa yoga classes and we had to do a chaturanga, which is like a lowering of a push up, but Mm -hmm. mainly engaging your triceps instead of your biceps. I simply could not, like I could not, as soon as I would bend my elbows, I would just collapse to the ground. And even with a modification of having my knees on the ground first, like a little baby push up or a little baby chaturanga. I could still barely control lowering down towards the mat, let alone pushing myself back up. Like I didn't realize how little upper body strength I had. Again, coming from ballet, a lot of my strength, I had tremendous amount of core strength and very, very, very strong legs. But my arms and my shoulders, <laughs> there was just that was such a huge hurdle. So I, I'm i very grateful for where I started from because I think as you become more experienced in yoga and maybe if you learn to teach and you gain flexibility, strength, and balance, you can forget what it was like at the beginning when you had none of that. You know, So I have great compassion for true beginners and I really do try to keep them in mind when I'm teaching a class because I remember how humbling it was to not being able to lower myself in Chaturanga. And it took a long time. And I would say it helped me with my flexibility, especially yin yoga did. This idea of holding passive poses for an extended period of time made a huge difference in my flexibility overall. I was used to pushing, pushing, pushing to get results. And it's actually only when I started to ease off and do less that I actually got the results I wanted for. So I gained flexibility. I've always had pretty good balance that came from all my years of ballet. So that just naturally translated to yoga and my strength increased a ton. And I would say in my twenties, I was very strength-based. I was really excited about the challenge of arm balances and inversions because I had never been able to do things like that. So there was a nice, um, there was a really nice wave of personal growth and development that came from pushing myself out of my comfort zone and believing that I can do hard things. You know, a lot of people can think about arm balances and inversions as being a very superficial goal, but I disagree. Like it was a great spiritual quest for me to learn the handstand, you know? 
So I was deep into that, especially in my 20s. And now that I'm in my 30s, I kind of don't care as much. So Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think my strength has probably decreased in a lot of ways, but my balance is still very strong. And I'm very much focused on flexibility and mobility. That's really where I think the key is, especially as I start to think, like obviously 30s is still young, but I'm very much someone who thinks about the future and wanting to be in a body that is as comfortable as possible for as long as possible. You know, if I get the opportunity to live a long life, I want to be mobile, you know, while living it. So that's that's where I've shifted the most in the recent years. Yes, absolutely. I agree. And I feel that we learn so much on the yoga mat that isn't just the poses, the asanas, the exercises. And it's so interesting that you talked about how when you were doing those arm balances, that it was sort of pushing you out of your comfort zone and you're almost becoming comfortable with that discomfort. And there's such a deep learning lesson in that. And interestingly, my learning lesson on the yoga mat has always been very different to that. My learning lesson has always been don't push myself on the yoga mat because I came to yoga very much from someone that was very stressed, very much a perfectionist, very much would push myself in all areas of life and then got a quite a chronic illness when I was 21. And that's when I got into yoga and did yoga very, very gently to heal myself. And then started to, of course, integrate it into my life even more and then went on to train and teach it. But every time I've got on my yoga mat now, even at almost 41, I know that that is the one place where I can let go. I don't have to push myself at all. And I really fully listen to my body and I'm fully present, which has meant that actually, if you ask me to do a crow pose, I'm probably going to hold it for about two seconds. If you ask me to do a headstand, I'm going to need a wall. And that's in 17 years of teaching yoga. But actually for me, that doesn't matter because what I learn on the yoga mat while I'm there is so much deeper than that. And I find it so interesting that actually, you know, that the opposite of that in some way, so those harder poses were your learning journey. And I love that because I think that it's such an individual journey when we are on the mat. Absolutely. I mean, it's all an opportunity to learn more about yourself. All of these perspectives are true and correct within their own rights. Sometimes people will ask me, what's the best type of yoga? And it's not possible for me to answer that. Everyone will need something different at a different time in their lives and at a different time in the day and the season of their lives. It's really just no matter what you're doing, if you're attempting a pose and it's meant to be an easy beginner pose, what's the internal dialogue that's going through your head? When something is challenging you, what's the internal dialogue going through your head? When you're in a studio setting and you notice the students around you having an easier time with something than you are, what's the internal dialogue in your head? Same thing if you flip it. If you're finding something easier than others, do you let it get to your head? Does it feed your ego? You know, it's all an opportunity. It's all just a mirror of what's going on for you at this time in your life reflected back to you. It's always an opportunity for shadow work. When things are easy, (laughs) what does that say about you? When things are hard, what does that say about you? And are you able to kind of zoom out and take a wider perspective and let go of that attachment that you have to how things are supposed to feel, what you're supposed to be able to do and not do? So I 
I learn just as much from those times on the mat where I do almost nothing. And a lot of the times I need a practice that is quite gentle and restorative. And it's this learning that you don't always have to push yourself. It's it's good to do less. There's a lot of wisdom and guidance that comes from that. And sometimes I'll notice that I'm lingering a little bit too much inside my comfort zone. And often for me, that gets tied with low self-worth and low self-esteem. Maybe I don't believe that I'm capable or deserving of something. So I need to kind of push a little bit to prove to myself that I can do hard things. You know, so it all has its place. It's all going to show up to you for you on the yoga mat. And it's not really about the end result. It's about what was going on in your mind. How did you feel as you were on that path and on that journey? You know, what is the lesson that you can take away from it? Whether things worked out for you or they didn't, you know, it's all valid. It really is all valid. And I know that you mentioned seasons of life when you were talking so beautifully there, but what I would love to delve into a little bit more is the seasons within a year and how we can integrate yoga and wellness into those. So perhaps you could take us through each of the seasons, spring, summer, autumn, winter, and perhaps give us either a type of yoga or maybe your favorite yoga pose and maybe even a wellness tip or an affirmation, which you think would work really nicely for those four seasons. Because of course, we're at the beginning of the year now, and it's quite nice to look forward and start to almost plan in our head how we're going to adapt and change and really live with the seasons and allow our body to move with the seasons, allow our mind to connect with the seasons and be able to do this on and off the yoga mat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why I wrote Year of Yoga. Like I'm very um, keen to kind of mirror my practice with the rhythms of nature in different ways, whether that's the lunar cycles or the solar rhythms and cycles through the year. But when it comes to winter, where we are now, usually winter is going to be symbolically and thematically viewed as a time of resting, introspection, and great dreaming. This is the time of darkness kind of tied to the new moon, symbolic of when we plant a seed in the deep darkness of the soil, symbolic of hibernation. So this is a really wonderful opportunity for us to slow down, to do a little bit less so that we can better tune in to our own inner voice and get really clear on what it is that we want, what it is that we need, a lot of us around this time of the new year, we're setting our, you know, New Year's intentions and resolutions and making goals. And we're already kind of in this liminal space of dreaming and clarifying, which is so beautiful, you know. So that's a wonderful time to be practicing maybe slower forms of movement like yin yoga or restorative yoga, or really spending a lot of time in meditation, that deep contemplation of what is truly important to you. And then spring, like I really love just this analogy of the little seed that we plant in the earth. If winter is the planting of the seed in the soil, spring is that first little sprout that begins to emerge. And I like to think of spring as like, we've talked the talk, now we have to walk the walk. This is when we first have that initiation and we can start to take action as things start 
to bloom a little bit around us. It's an invitation for us to also bloom a little bit and to wake ourselves up and to take movement towards what it is that we're craving and wanting in our life and a way for us to kind of shed the excess or to really revitalize our bodies, you know? So this is a great opportunity to have a little bit more of a, maybe a stronger vinyasa practice to be a little bit playful, even with our movement overall, you know, sometimes that can just be trying a style that you've never tried before, or even just trying a new sport, a new activity, a new way of moving your body that you've never done before, you know, like taking a dance lesson, like that would be a wonderful thing to do, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone and then moving into the summer. This is when, you know, the flower is blooming. Everything is in full bloom and we're invited to reap the rewards of this, of all the work that we've been doing over the previous months. You know, this is where we get to really celebrate and honor how far that we've come. It's a great time for connection and in the summer, I'll either, I kind of fluctuate between two kinds of practices where I'm either really wanting to tap into that solar energy, doing a lot of sun salutations and power yoga, or I'm trying to cool off because it's already too hot and I'm doing things that are a little bit slower in nature. But it's such a beautiful time, you know, when it comes to linking ourselves with the seasons, we really don't need to overthink it. We can just look outside and see what is nature doing. That's what we're being invited to do, you know? And then when we finish with the with the fall, like the summer is symbolic of the full moon and then fall is symbolic of the waning moon. So as the leaves begin to, or as the trees begin to shed their leaves, we're also being asked to let go of anything that is in excess that is no longer serving us. This is a great time to think of releasing and letting go, letting go of behaviors, actions, thoughts, relationships, physical clutter in your home, whatever it may be, so that you can find a little bit of balance as we prepare a brand new cycle moving into winter. So it can be a bit more of an introspective time. And I like to think of fall as an opportunity for balance. So balancing pranayama practices, breath work, like box breathing or alternate nostril breath can be really wonderful to kind of clear your mind of the maybe excess stimulation that came from the summer and to focus back in on yourself a little bit. Um, now, again, the none of this is a hard and fast rules, right? Like we are meant to play and be in relationship with these cycles and be in relationship with winter, with the seasons. So even though I say, oh, winter, do some slower practices, like do whatever you want, you know? It's just, I like to live, I've always operated from this belief that you can have it all, but not all at once. Mm -hmm. And I'm very careful about not burning myself out and making sure that, every, you know, I'm being sustainable in all areas of my life. So I find that if I have dedicated times where I'm making myself slow down and dedicated times where I'm allowing myself to go full force. Um, it's just a little bit easier to manage overall, but I don't want anyone to think of this as like a hard and fast rule, you know, play around with it. <laughs> That's so amazing. Such great tips. And I would love to ask you a little bit more about affirmations, because I know that that is a huge part of your teaching and your practice. And that's your latest offering as well with your lovely affirmation cards, which have just launched. With affirmations, would you say there is a particular affirmation which resonates with you or which you like teaching for each of those four seasons? 
Um, let me think. I mean, I'm a, I've been a deep lover of affirmations. It was probably one of the first things that kind of started me on more of a spiritual journey, I guess, when I first discovered Louise Hay in my teens. And she was like, you know, the queen of affirmations and power thoughts. And I found it so very interesting. There are quite a few that we can work with. So if we're thinking about winter being a time of, you know, inquiry, introspection, curiosity, we might be thinking of an affirmation like, um, I allow myself to slow down and enjoy life. An affirmation just needs to be a positive statement in the present tense. So something for spring when we're starting to wake up a little bit, one that I like is I adapt to change easily and effortlessly. That's a, a one that I use often when things are going a little crazy in my life. It's a lovely <laughs> one for summer when things are blooming and blossoming and you're you know in this vibe of abundance and celebration. It can be an easy one like um, I am blessed, grateful, and abundant or something like I step into my power with confidence and grace. That's one that I tend to revert back quite a bit. And then in fall, when we're thinking about releasing, letting go, finding balance again, something like I, I release all physical, emotional, and mental tension can be really nice, or I have all the answers within me can be really lovely affirmations to integrate. Oh, they are so beautiful. And as you were saying them, I was repeating them in my mind and smiling as well. So they are just absolutely beautiful and useful for those seasons, but of course useful at any stage in our life. And, absolutely. And is there an affirmation which you particularly like yourself, not necessarily related to the season? It doesn't need to be one of the ones you just mentioned, but is there something which deeply resonates with you? There is one and it's not mine. It's from Louise Hay and it's probably one I come to the most. And it's so simple. It's all is well and I am safe. And I would say that's probably my main go-to. It, it applies all the time <laughs> whenever whenever I'm, you know, maybe being triggered or stress levels are rising or I'm feeling some kind of concern over the future or really like truly anything. It's such a grounding, a grounding affirmation that brings me back to the right here, right now. All is well and I am safe. I love that. So, so powerful. And you've mentioned a few times as you've talked about yin yoga and vinyasa yoga. And I know lots of my listeners will already know the difference between the two and the benefits of both. But in case anybody listening doesn't know what yin and vinyasa are, because I'm always aware sometimes we can use certain terminology and not everyone will be um, familiar with those words. Would you mind just mentioning what yin yoga is and what vinyasa yoga is? Sure. So yin yoga is a passive style of yoga in which poses are held for an extended period of time, meaning you're going to hold each pose without the use of muscular strength and effort. So most poses are done sitting or lying down, and you're going to be holding each pose for extended period of time that can be usually a minimum of 90 seconds and it can go all the way up to you know eight minutes if you'd like on average for me it's three to five minutes per side per pose and it's a practice in which we are trying to target the deep connective tissue of the body um it has a blend of 
traditional Chinese medicine, like working with the meridian lines of the body by compressing and decompressing them to allow for the flow of qi, what we would call flow of prana in yogic tradition. So it has that nice kind of blend. It's a bit more of a modern practice, like it came up in the 80s and it was a nice blend of like traditional hatha yoga. So we're doing traditional yoga asanas and poses, like you would do your pigeon pose and your butterfly forward fold. But rather than using strength and engaging our muscles, like hugging muscle to bone, we're letting ourselves relax in the pose, letting gravity do the work for us so that we're not quite as much working on muscles, but we're really getting into the fascia, the deep connective tissue, tendons, joints, ligaments, that kind of stuff. So it's a beautiful practice. It's what I gravitate to a lot, especially at this time of the year, wonderful for flexibility, wonderful for stress relief, um, and wonderful to really replenish this flow of energy. And then vinyasa is a little bit of a counterpart to yin. It's a more dynamic style of practice. Of course, vinyasa will means something different to every teacher, I think, and everyone will have their own expression of the practice, but it's more dynamic. So this is where you would find your sun salutations and your standing warrior poses and balancing poses were meant to be linking movement with breath. So one breath per movement. So it's a very well-rounded practice that can really physically target work on your balance, your strength, your flexibility, but also really tapping into mindfulness. And it's definitely one of those practices. I mean, both styles will really force you to kind of tune into your mental chatter and really notice what it is that you tell yourself while you're going through um, challenging poses and sequences. So one is a little bit more dynamic, a little bit faster pace, and yin is very mellow. You're not doing very much. Um, but just because you're not doing very much does not mean that there isn't a good amount of challenge to the practice. Absolutely. Such great descriptions of both of them. And do you have a, a wellness routine or a, it, and it can be yoga, it can be not related to yoga that you use on a daily basis? Perhaps it's in the morning or evening or both. Are there sort of what I call non-negotiables? So a few things each day, which you always do to look after your wellness. You know, I think the only non-negotiable, non-negotiable ones that I have absolutely every single day I go for a walk. Um, mm -hmm. That's, I absolutely need to do that. And in the evening, I've been doing this. This is going to be my fifth year doing this, but I journal a little bit every night before going to bed. So just a few lines, nothing fancy, nothing crazy, nothing long, just takes a few minutes, but I am very consistent with that. And then I would say, I would say maybe like 90% of the time, I do a little bit of yoga every day, but there are some days where, I miss out on my practice. You know, I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm not one of those <laughs> all the time, every day teachers. Most of the time I'll do a little bit of yoga, but it does happen that sometimes I don't, but walking every day and journaling every day. Absolutely. They are great practices. And actually, I think it's nice just to have two or three. Um, mine, as my listeners will know, mine are yoga in some form. And like you say, it doesn't need to be much. Sometimes I yes. sit cross-legged on my mat and just breathe for two minutes. And other times it will be a full 30 minutes or maybe even 60 minutes. And sometimes I'll go weeks and it'll only be three or four minutes a day. And sometimes I'll go weeks and every day I've done 30 minutes. So 
that's one of my non-negotiables, yoga in some form. And for me, walking is my second non-negotiable, which I always do every day. Yeah. And of course, face yoga as well. I'll always do a face yoga practice, whether I integrate that into my skincare, whether I sit and do a more dedicated practice, but I will always do some face yoga as well. So they're sort of my three that I go to. Um, so quite similar to yours in many ways. And I just think it's so nice just to have a few like that, which are just easy to do. It's not a long drawn out morning routine which takes hours and feels like it's another thing on our to-do list we just have those easy go-tos that just help us I guess have those little moments of pause and reflection in our busy life yeah definitely I get very easily resentful of things if it's too busy and too much and I feel like it's something I have to do like all of a sudden I'm you know, like a bratty child who doesn't want to do what they're told <laughs> to do. So I have to have a very, I have to have a very let go, flexible, loose relationship um, with discipline because I, I don't know. I otherwise I just know it doesn't really mesh well. <laughs> That's probably my own issue I need to work through. But no, less I don't is think it's an issue. For me. I don't think it's an issue at all. I think it's understanding and knowing yourself and I think because we're all so different if we understand and know ourselves and what things yeah do frustrate us and what things we can resent um as you're saying that I'm really interested to know if you know your human design do you, do you know much about human design so I don't know much about it but I did do a consult once I believe I am a projector so oh, and that resonated well with me yeah I believe that's... the message around that was like wait for the invitation, mm -hmm. you know, something yes. like that. So I believe I was a like a splenic projector. I might be making that up, yes, but it's definitely no. projector. That's so interesting and really resonates with what you said. And with projectors, I'm a generator myself, but I know lots of projectors and actually projectors are only meant to do about two to three hours of output per day. So in terms of working, that, that means they can work an eight hour day if they want, but actually that real output where they're actually putting a lot of energy into it should only be about two to three hours and the rest of the time should be much more sort of pausing and reflecting and going a little bit slower. So I don't know if that resonates with you a bit. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Great. I mean, I'm not a yeah, human design definitely. expert at all. I mean, I'm just so interested in it now. I've had a few few people on my podcast come and talk about human design. And the more that I understand mine, I had a amazing lady, Erin Claire Jones, who came on, on the podcast. And quite soon after she came on the podcast, I got her what she calls a human design blueprint, which is like a 50 page document, which is my exact oh, blueprint. Wow. And it's amazing it's like if somebody put Danielle in a document it would be there it's so spot on so I would definitely recommend oh that my god sold I'm gonna it. go buy that now <laughs> say oh, no more I, I will that. be purchasing that's amazing I'm sure <laughs> that's I've got so a discount funny. code too as well I'll send it to you and I'll put it in the show notes as well if anyone else wants it but I'm sure I have I'm sure when she came on she gave a, a little discount code so I'll make sure I'll I'll DM oh, it to okay, you cool, on Instagram cool. and then I'll um I'll put it in the show notes for everyone else but yeah it's it's so fun it are you really um helps. are you sorry go on are you into the Enneagram are you into the I Enneagram? I haven't done it. No, but I keep thinking I must do that and understand that. Do you know yours? Yes, that's my thing. That's like oh. of all the like different kinds of systems that are out mm -hmm. there. To me, the Enneagram was the most helpful one of them all. I'm a wow. seven with an eight wing for anyone who, you know, 
is familiar with that, but that's something that I really liked. And I liked with the Enneagram, I like that it's not, um, you'll just read the types and you'll find yourself right away. Like there are quizzes that you can do, but truly like you can self-assess yourself. If you're Mm -hmm. feeling conflicted, a quiz can be very helpful, but it's not going on like your birthday or anything like that. Like it's really just looking at what is your relationship with yourself, with others in the world. And what I really liked about, I'm I'm not like sponsored by, like no. I have nothing to do with the Enneagram. I just I'm really not, love I'm it. I'm not sponsored by human design in any way. No, no. Discount code is, I just love it. No, no, I have nothing, no discount codes or anything to <laughs> offer people. But I just think it was, what I really liked about it was like beyond, like for example, Myers-Briggs or, you know, the Zodiac horoscopes, like all these different kind of personality systems. Um, I found they were kind of static. And what I really like with the Enneagram is that once you have your type, it gives you a scale kind of 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 zero to 10, zero being at the most destructive, unhealthy, you know, mental health issues. This is what it looks like for you and your personality type. And then it goes all the way, you know, maybe level five is where you tend to be normal. And then 10 is like your most self-actualized, empowered, enlightened self. Here are, you know, here's the power of this type, you know, here's like at your best, what it would look like. So I thought that was really helpful for me because it's like, you'll kind of find what your baseline is. Like maybe your baseline is a five on that scale. And when you're working on yourself, maybe you're like at a six or a seven. And when you're in an unhealthy place in your life, maybe you're reacting and acting at a three. Um, I thought that was really, really helpful because it gives you a big scope of what that personality type could like based on um, how healthy you are generally overall, you know, and how much you work on yourself and how much, I mean, enlightenment might be too big of a term, but maybe self-actualized you are as a human. I loved it. You should check it out. I loved it. Yeah. So do you know a particular website that's good to go on? Oh my God. That's a good question. Um, you know, for me, it was a book that I really liked. Um, I have it. I'm just trying to pull it up here on the Kindle, but there was one book that I thought was the best book. So there's one that's called The Wisdom of the Enneagram, and that's Mm -hmm. a really wonderful book. Um, And the other one is Personality Types, Using the Enneagram for Self-Discovery. So highly recommend both of those books. I have both, and they're very, very helpful. I think Personality Types, Using the Enneagram for Self-Discovery is the one that I maybe found the most helpful, but they're both phenomenal. Great starting points. I'm literally writing it down as we chat here. That's amazing. And talking about books, could you please let everybody know where they can get your book before we finish? Because I know that everyone would like to understand a little bit more about your philosophy and about yoga in general, and particularly step into this lovely concept of a year of yoga and living with the seasons. Yeah, absolutely. So the book is called Year of Yoga, and you can pretty much find it at any major book retailer. So I think I I only know like the Canadian stores, so I don't really know what what the other ones are. Um, As well, it's also on Amazon as well. Yes, and my two new products came out just a few days ago, like the affirmation cards and the yoga journal, and it's the same for that. So any major retailer as well as Amazon, which I think we all know by now. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you so much, Cassandra. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and happy new year to you again. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely. 
So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher, just head to our website, faceyogaexpert.com for more information. If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.